The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me is Jim Mooney, my buddy, and co-host from Frontier Automotive, Frontier Towing, for all of your towing needs. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. We're trying to get the phones working on there. Remember, I'm on the radio this morning. That means it's Super Safe Saturday. Slow down, move over. It's raining out there, guys, or trying to rain. That means get your wipers working, get your lights turned on, get uh, uh, drive with your eyes wide open and not looking out the windows, uh, looking at the phone. Or texting. Don't, 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 yeah. no texting. That's right. No drinking, although you may want to be drinking. Oh. No drinking this morning. <laughs> no driving. No drinking and driving. No, the one. Yeah, the... Don't, don't be. Go ahead. I I watch I watch the Fox News special on the aftermath of Ian Ian the hurricane down in Florida. Ian, I have never seen such a mess in my life. Oh my gosh! You know, so the rain coming in Tucson, bring it on. Just as long as it don't match anything, I don't think we could get enough rain out here to match anything that comes through Florida on that hurricane. I have never seen a disaster like that in my life. You know, I I feel sorry for those people. And they had a warning out for flooded cars. They said, one, if you get a flooded car, whatever you do, don't start the car. If it was in a flood, do not start the car. Call your insurance company. And I'm putting that out because I really don't think we got any listeners in Florida, even though Florida was a state that listens had a pretty good listening audience. But I I don't think they have radios and stuff back there now. That is the biggest disaster I've ever seen in my little short lifetime. And I'm going, holy crap. But they were saying... None of your safety items are going to work. Your computers, they don't like water, so that's going to be a problem there. It's going to be an issue with rusted wires, computers water-soaked, and so just don't start the car. Don't even turn the ignition on to energize anything. And um, beware, buyer beware. 
you know, don't even touch one of these cars unless you have it checked out completely by a certified mechanic. It's just, they're just a disaster. And they will be showing up across the country like they normally do from flooded areas. And so that that warning is for everyone. The prices are a little bit lower than they normally would be on a car. That is a signal. And, I mean, just assume that it comes from the East Coast. And go ahead and have it checked out completely. Check, tell, tell the technician, check it for flooding. Check it, see if there's any water, uh, mildew smells. There is so much stuff that goes on when you park a, uh, a car in the middle of a wash or a middle of a river or a middle of a, something that has a lot of salt water in it. It is one big mess. I don't care if it runs when you get in it. I had one. It does not go away. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You just keep repairing and repairing and repairing and repairing, and it's awful hard to find because it is water. It's in the circuitry of the vehicle. So, buyer, beware. Now, what have you got to say this morning, Jim? You're out there playing in the mud and the water and flooding and stuff. What's going on? Oh, you're right, Jerry. The... uh... To to add to your to your musty sm- car smell, yeah, it, it you can't get it out. It's unless you take the carpet out and throw it away, unless you take the and and tear the seats apart. It just the 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 musty, you know, fungusy smell just stays, and then it gets in the air conditioning, you know. So it gets it gets your a, your AC evaporator all clogged up with with well seaweed for a lack of a better word, but mostly just dirt. And yeah. you can't yeah. you can't get it clean. You, you that smell, that that nasty smell that you put the you spray the foamy, you know, disinfectant on and and try and try and get it to go through. It just it just doesn't you just can't get rid of it. It's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. And, and like you said, well, the don't start the car. Those uh you know, oh, you remember no. the the crankcase, and even even the transmissions that are sealed without any without any dipstick tubes have vents on them, and the tr- differentials have vents on them. They all got full of water. So now, when you fire it up, you just get to circulate all that water around <laughs> inside your motor, inside your transmission, and it don't take very long. Especially seawater, which is highly corrosive. But- and if you don't believe me, yep. go visit a car that's been on the East Coast or anywhere near the shoreline. California, too. They rust away. So that's a really yeah. good advice. And I'm trying to make sure. Well, that it's, it's uh, something that needs to be put out there again and again and again and again. Because I remember Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we had an influx of vehicles in the state of Arizona that was out of the Katrina flood. And everybody was holding their breath. Uh, you can clean the carpet. You can detail the carpet. You can get it smelling really pretty for about a week. And then that stuff permeate, permeates, comes right up through the carpet again, and you've got the same mess. And it just it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I, I just don't know any way that you can get one of them. I, I, like I said, I had one. I had it for a year. And I worked on that son of a gun for a year, 
and I know better. But you know, it was it was a good looking pickup, and I found it here in Tucson. And I went in and I looked at it. I looked at everything. I thought I didn't. What I didn't catch was the dirt and mud that was up in behind the dash. And you have to have a mirror and a good flashlight in order to reflect it up in there and find that stuff. Once you see it, you you stay away from that thing like it was the plague, like it was the fentanyl that comes in and looks like M&Ms now. Uh, I mean, it is just a billfold graining, economical, what you think you got, you don't even, you're not even close. You've got a nightmare. Even owning a garage, it was a nightmare for a garage owner to have to go through this thing and find out why, I, one, I thought I was very stupid at the time, and I wasn't. I just, I thought I had checked it, but it was a, a time thing where you just, you can look at it, you can go squat down and take a look under the dash, uh, you can look on the hood, and uh, you just, you just don't realize what's actually inside your electronic system. And this was only on a 79 vehicle. This wasn't a late model like my 218. I wouldn't even start looking at the 218. If I found out it was in water, and it's easy to uh, know now, you just have to go to the area that is hard to detail out, which is under the dash. Get you a mirror, get you a flashlight, bounce it up bounce that light right up in behind the dash and take a look at it. If you see anything like mud or uh, water residue that's sitting on the side of a case or something, uh, because that is in the high-vac system, it has flooded, it, it'll just sit there. That's the reason they say don't start them, just like Jim was saying. It, once, you, once you hit the ignition key, and activate all the electronics, it starts zipping and zapping and everything else. And you circulate that water through. You have turbochargers on them that sets there underwater. Those turbochargers actually fill up with water from the outside. Water does not compress inside of an engine via a turbocharger or anything else. Once that turbocharger starts to spin, its job is to clean the ends, is, is to to force air in. Well, it's full of water. Guess what? It's got air coming in after the water is forced inside the engine. The water does not compress. The engine's going to blow up, bend a rod, blow a head. You know, so there is just no win-win on this thing. You just, I mean, it's a, it's nasty. It's nasty. So just, you know, for the people listening on the East Coast, and they've got some more storms coming through. Hurricane season's not over until November. So they've got another one that's building up out uh, coming into uh, south. Uh, it looks like it's going to go to Texas, and but it's a huge storm. So but right now it's considered a tropical because the winds had not got up to 75 miles an hour yet, and they do expect it to get there. So for the ones of you back on the East Coast, the ones of you on the West Coast, the ones anywhere where there's flooding, welcome to Tucson, Arizona. Go through these floods, run it off, stick the nose of that thing buried in a wash because you couldn't tell the depth of the water until you stuck your car in and said, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to take this off my bucket list. I think this was just a little bit deeper than I thought it was going to be. And it, But 
don't start the engine once you do that. You know, oh, well, you know, it's only buried up to the windshield, so I should be able to start the engine and back it out. That engine is not waterproof, okay? There's too many ways to get water in it, and you assume it has water in it. If you have any chance in the world of getting this thing to go, the advantage we have here in Tucson is when you have the rainwater and stuff, we don't have salt mixed with it. When you get to salt water, like when you're down in Mexico and you park it too close to the beach and it floods it out, and then you uh, decide you're going to bring it back to the States to get it fixed, seen this in a Suburban, total loss, just a total loss. The paint was perfect on it. Everything was beautiful on the exterior of that car. You raise the hood and you start looking and everything is junk under it. There is no saving it. You can't even replace an engine because you have to replace the transmissions, the differentials, everything in order to rebuild this thing. It's like a frame-off restoration. So just just don't do it. You know, turn it into your insurance, take your money, go find you another one that you know it hadn't been in a flood. Anything you want to add to that, Mr. Mr. Mooney from Frontier Towing? If, if, if you can buy you, one, I will put this. You, I will put this caveat out there. If you need good sheet metal parts, buddy, there's going to be a supply of them. If you want, if you need glass parts, if you need sheet metal parts, if you need little trim pieces that floodwaters don't affect, you can get a really good deal on something to fix your other vehicle. So they're good parts cars. Mm-hmm. They make great, great parts cars. They make really, really bad running cars. Um, at, when, oh. In my industry, we get uh, we get um, um, requests from uh, you wouldn't believe this, but we get requests from all over the country during times like this. So when there's when there's a catastrophe with it involves major property damage, including vehicles, and because vehicles are property, um, they re, uh, contractors reach out from all over the country wanting to know if you want to come work in Florida or Missouri or wherever there's, you know, if there's been a tornado and it wiped out a bunch of cars, if, there's a, if it's a hurricane. So because they don't, have enough, they don't have enough service personnel to do it. So they'll, they'll pay you to go out there and take your trucks out there and do service work. And oh. there was, it was, there was, a, it was a, maybe like five years ago when Texas got flooded and they were hauling cars um, out there by, um, by, uh, um, Dallas, and they were they were hauling cars yeah. around. And what you haven't seen yet is because because haven't. It's only been a week, so we haven't really got anything in there just yet to assess everything. We've, we're trying to get you know electric infrastructure up. We're trying to get um, people back in, relocated to some type of ha- housing situation. So cars right now are on the, are on the low priority scale, so to speak, because we need to get food, water, right. and electricity up and rolling. Um, so once we do that, we're going to, we're going to go address, you know, the cleanup of the, of the homes, assessment for rebuilding of the homes and removal of the, of the vehicles. So there will be a huge influx of tow guys into the Florida area. So the question you have to ask yourself is, well, where do they go with all these things? Where do you go with, with, you know, 20,000 cars? You don't just, you know, they were all in the, in their normal state, they're dispersed through everybody's homes you know, in their garages or on the street or in a parking garage. Um, so, it, so it lays out evenly. But now you've got all those and no place to put them, and you've got to take them to a holding facility. So 
you, they find these huge, huge acreage lots. Sometimes they'll use um, um, like ball stadiums, like football uh, stadiums, and they'll use the entire mm-hmm. parking lot and they'll fill it full of cars. As many as you can get in there. Forget about the parking lines. They will stack it full. Um, any available flat surface is where they storm. And then they send an adjuster to the lot, and they just globally, you know, walk the cars and just – and actually section them. So, for example, you know, if it's the State Farm claim, it goes in this whole area, you know, 5,000 cars in this one area, all State Farm. 5,000 cars over here, all Geico. The other cars, you know, um, travelers or, or whoever yeah. you've got, you know. Um, and they just section them, and they mm-hmm. they just go out there with a blanket full of adjusters, and the guys just scan the cars total, 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 total. I mean, it takes them forever, but they they actually get they actually get it all done, and they don't really have a better way to do it. And you can you can upload your stuff, and that's helpful, but they still got to get it moved, and they don't have a place to store all the stuff because even their their salvage facilities can't hold that many cars because the normal flow is you bring right. a car in. You 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 set it up for sale and you sell it. So you know there's a there's a normal flow of influx, but now they've got this huge mass and they can't handle all those at one time. So they have to flow them through the system. And there will be in the in the coming weeks, maybe a month or so, you'll you'll start seeing pictures of the of massive storage of flooded cars in the area, which is kind of it's kind of interesting because once because people will obviously text it or video it or YouTube it whatever. And you'll you get to see the aerial sure. of the cars, and that's when you know how what the true impact of vehicles are in the state. And there'll be multiple locations with vehicles everywhere. So, so you get to see that you can you know you can kind of like in lieu, in lieu of doing the going on the internet to find your favorite car, you can go on the internet and look at, on the overhead and find your favorite car. <laughs> It'll just be your favorite parts car. So, uh, but yeah, right. it's, it's it's doing that doing that type of services. It's incredibly time-consuming because you're trying to pull cars out of out of flooded areas. You know, well, the water's gone now, but you know they've been put. Literally, they've all been put. No, together, the water's not right. <laughs> well, some of you're they right. Still a lot got, of them's not, uh, but, flooding. But by the time they still the time got they flooding in Florida, I've seen it on the on Fox News this morning. They got fifty-two thousand people without without uh, power in Florida right now. It is the biggest mess I have ever seen. I couldn't even imagine something like that. Yeah, it's when you don't want to be there. Oh, no, no, no. That's that's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, But for the people that live back there or the people who uh, plan on running through water out here, and the reason I thought this was interesting because it was on automobiles, a lot of automobiles. This is what they were talking about. They were talking about get them inspected prior to buying because they will be running out to the rest of the country for that reason. I mean, they don't have the storage. I remember Katrina, and, uh, I mean, that was a mess, too. The, Katrina didn't have the damage that they have in Florida. Florida, I mean, they got islands that there's nothing left. I mean, they, they're just gone. You know, the the houses are, you can see the foundation where the houses were, and that's pretty much all that's left. And people walking around going, I can't even recognize the street my house was on. I can't even find where my house was. You know, so, and that's some serious stuff there. That That's bad news. That's bad news. 
And uh, for the people that are uh, in Arizona, you know, we have floods in Arizona. We we still have flash floods up north. We have flash floods here in Tucson. And uh, so it's something that you just don't mess with Mother Nature. You don't mess with that water. It's got its own course that it's going to run, and there ain't nothing you're going to do about it. But stay out of the way. And if you're smart, you will stay out of the way. So... That's that's pretty much all I got. That's that's my little coverage of what I've seen on the news this morning. I watched about uh, 45 minutes of it. In fact, it's actually still on. But um, it's it's horrible. And for the people that uh, we're talking about uh, fuel now, and fuel prices are going to go up. And, you know, they've already told us that it's going to go up. Gas, gas, hike, gas price hikes due to domestic and global issues. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah. Uh, so the gas prices will be going back up. I noticed that diesel fuel last night, I spotted a station coming back when I was out. And it was up to 509 for diesel fuel again. And it was, it's been hanging around the 489 to 492 or, stuff like that, but it's going back up. So it is going back up. Um, and if you follow the news, uh, there's all sorts of news out there and all sorts of reasons and everybody blaming everybody. And uh, so you just have to get the information and make up your mind what you think is going on. Not that it'll make any difference because the price of fuel is still going to go up. But if it makes you feel better, research it and find out what the deal is. Um but it, it brings up gas and dirty fuel. Now, last week you were talking about dirty fuel coming out of the stations. And I had an incident uh, with my brother back in Carolina yesterday, day before yesterday, where he went into a little gas station that had been around for about, he says, probably 100 years. And he got some gasoline for his little car. And then after he drove it about 25 miles, it started acting up, and then it acted up to the point to where he limped it back into his ha- house, put it in the garage, and so that's what he's been doing for the last two days is finding out why a vehicle that run real good, and the only common denominator is he put gas in it from, it was a reputable station. It was a, a major brand station, but it had been around forever. And I thought, well, that sounds like what Jim was talking about on the old tanks and stuff. So what have you got to say about gasoline and fuel and the old tanks like we were talking about last week? Well, like I was saying last week. Go ahead, Jim. The old, the, the old tanks, um, all, all, all fueled, any, any vessel that holds liquid, the water or fuel, um, has a tendency to accumulate sediment in the bottom. So water tanks do it, and fuel tanks do it, and there's no there there's no bottom tap on the bottom of a fuel tank. So um, you can't just go in there and drain it out. In fact, you have to be really careful. You know, when you you see all over the news about you know tanks that leak. Well, it's true they leak, and actually Arizona has what's called a lust system. <laughs> I thought I was going to die when I heard this. It's called a leaking underground storage tank system. So you actually have to have your tanks checked um, annually to make sure that they don't leak in in this state. And but the the just through just through time, tanks rust, 
if they're if they're steel, uh, which older tanks usually are, in lieu of poly tanks, which are you know fiberglass or plastic, which not so much. Um, they um, and so they accumulate rust and and debris. And what happens is when you put your brand new fuel in that old tank, you have now sediment in your in your rusty old tank. Well, that's gonna even though they filter their fuel like all all pump systems do, you'll see. Yeah, I mean you don't see it so much anymore. But you used to see they actually have a fuel filter on the on the gas pump. That everybody has them. They have strainers and filters, and even then, you still get dirt that comes out. So if you're if you ever just want to sample your fuel one day, especially in a diesel, you know, you take it out and you check it, and you just take a, uh, a it's a little challenging, but you can get a small quarter inch tube down there down your down your filler neck and get it out there, and you can kind of just put it in a in a little plastic bucket, a clean bucket, and you can see what comes out. And if it's really if you're getting a lot of dirty fuel out of your out of your out of your gas tank on your vehicle, then it's a sign that you know servicing the fuel filter should be um, more predominant. You should be working on that all the time because you're you're not going to get away from getting dirty fuel because well that's the way it is. So you're going to have to you're going to have to step up your preventative measures to make sure that the fuel that the fuel you get to your engine is filtered. It's like Jerry will tell you, dirt is the best wear agent that we can find. We can't find anything that will polish cylinders and wear out wear out valve trains better than dirt. Because it, and it's true. That's right. Dirty oil, dirty 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 water, and dirt and dirty gas. And it is it, it they can we can go through all these things about you know low carbons and low emissions and low sulfur and yada yada yada. But dirt in there will wipe everything out in two seconds. So, um, as as you and you're not going to cure the the underground storage tank situation. There's no way that you're going to get around um, having um, just uh, a, a perfect fuel, you know, getting fuel out of a of a perfect gas station. Now, like I said, what I did notice is that stations that were newer had less dirt in them. So that that is a that is a plus sign. And there are are like top tier stations which do a a little bit better job of filtering their stuff, but eventually, you know, it all comes down the pipeline right next to me. There's uh, two 24-inch lines, right? I think they're 24s. They might be 36s that come into the back, right? Literally, literally a quarter of a mile across the way, um, and they pipe up and they come into all these big fuel tanks. Well, these fuel tanks have been sitting here for I don't know, 50 years, probably, maybe a little longer. So they they fall to the same the same problems that everybody falls into, and the the line falls to the same problems. It all has it all has uh, corrosion in it, and and then even the refining process. You think the refineries are new? No, there hasn't one been one built in what like fifty sixty years. You think their stuff's perfectly clean? No. So it's an inherently dirty system that we're dealing with right off the bat. Now, like I said, some stations in end user stations do a good job at at cleaning it up, but it just if you if you're unsure, you know, take a sample, take a sample out of your fuel tank and see what see what it looks like. Take a sample out of the you know, put some in a in a in a bucket at your gas station and see how dirty it is. You know, you could do that right at the gas pump, put it in a little thing and take it out and and, and put it into a clean can where you can look at it and go, hey, this is really clean. You know, try that at a couple of places and find out if it's really dirty or not dirty. I'll just tell you where where it might be better places to go or not because. 
like Jerry will tell you, that kind of wear is going to occur. So I saved I saved two cents at one gas station, but it cost me a fuel pump. What's that fuel pump cost on your on your Dodge Diesel, Jerry? It's not cheap. About eighteen nineteen hundred. The eighteen or nineteen hundred dollars. Right. So what do they say in racing, Jerry? You can wear it out faster. You can wear it out slow. Which way do you want to go? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so you know, it, it's a simple um, thing like that that you know that you can that you can actually have control over and you can monitor. So, um, well, other than that, you know, <clears throat> they have they have the um, top tier fuels. Top tier fuels has a lot of additive, extra additives in it, and that's what the new car manufacturers recommend for. Well, the the big the big man, well, all the manufacturers actually prefer the top tier fuel because it won't wear their vehicles out as fast because it has better cleaning agents in it. Um, that's a good argument for using chemicals for internal engine cleaning and service. Um, you can put, there's a lot of uh, additives out there that you can get. Uh, most of your fuel treatment additives and your gasoline treatment additives are pretty much the same ingredients to clean it. Some of them just have more in them in the can that you pour in than the other brands do. So you can use that to help keep the fluid moving through the lines, and it'll help offset. It'll break down a lot of the garbage inside the fuel systems and filter it out. But the key here is you've got to change the filters, too. I mean, you need to change those filters at least once a year to keep this thing as clean as possible. Don't be afraid to use the uh, fuel treatment. Uh, manufacturers actually uh, request that you put a can of fuel cleaner in in their uh, in your vehicle at every oil change. Well, uh, every oil change could be up to fifteen thousand miles. I think that's stretching it a little bit. Just just personally, and I, I think I would probably I do mine at five thousand miles, and. Uh, or sooner, depending on how long I did it or if I forgot to do it at a period of time. But the fuel, uh, to keep the engine running clean on the inside is the name of the game for the uh, engine to actually last and give you good service. And keep the fuel delivery system clear because uh, injectors plug up. Uh, your supply lines going into the injectors get uh, garbage in them and then they start pushing it on through. The pentels on the end of an injector used to be about the, and it's the size of an end of an ink pen with a fine point on it. And that's no longer the case. They are so tiny that you can pull an injector out and you can put it on a magnifying glass and you can barely see the hole that it squirts fuel through under high pressure. So when you've got a 3,000 PSI going through one and you've got a fuel pump, uh, some of the uh, trucks, guy from university called me one time and said, that can't be true. Yeah, it was. Uh, fuel pump pressure is running up to 6,000 PSI. And you're feeding all that stuff. You can push just about anything through the end of that pencil except when it starts plugging up and coking up to where it'll only process so much. It's just like a plug hose on a uh, garden hose or something or a plugged 
end of a sprayer. <laughs> Excuse me. So just pay attention to that. Now, a couple other little things I wanted to cover. <coughs> Excuse me. I love it when it rains you know, and all the flowers are nice and blooming. Go ahead. I just I just want on that on the on your injectors. The um it, it, I don't, it, Jerry's right. Those the old school injectors which were which were pressure driven that pop you know got to a certain PSI and then popped off. You know they could take anything. Today's injectors are very sensitive to lubrication. You run them dry, that little needle in there just breaks right off, it, and it knocks out the little cup that's sitting in, and you're talking a lot of work. And then the parts fall down in your motor. It's real, and so using the additives helps lubricity a lot. And uh, the injector, you remember, the injector sitting in a motor, it's you know running it. 200 degrees, right? The combustion temperature is thousands of degrees, and the thing is sitting there trying to trying to live on just the little bit of little bit of lubricant that's in the, the fuel, and it's they, they do a good job for what they do, but buddy, they they get that stuff wears out when it gets a little bit sideways. There's those, those injector tips wear right off, and now if you have one that fails. Good in a good way, it stops working, so you're lucky. You only have a miss. You have a bad way, the tip breaks off, and now you have a now you have a hydrolocked motor because you the fuel is just pouring out of it, literally pouring out of it. So, ke- keeping the fuel system maintained is really really critical for the diesels. That's all I want to add on that, Jerry. Well, that's good. It's also real, really 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 critical for automobiles. You know, that's the reason we use critical the motor vac clean the systems and it just it works it cleans the system and the system coming from the manufacturers when by the time you buy a new car uh up until it's got about half eh, fifteen thousand miles on it is going to be pretty doggone clean it'll, it'll be fine but just remember that fifteen thousand miles you're also putting Running gasoline through it, you've got the debris in the gasoline, you've got the sludge, which is lack of a better word, you've got the, the uh, byproducts building up on side your transportation lines going into the system. And then first thing you know, you've got a vehicle that's a little hard to start in the morning, a little, little roughness when you first fired up. That's the key. If you fired up and you've got a little roughness in it, that's telling you that you've got a fuel delivery problem or a usable fuel delivery problem. You've probably got a bunch of soft carbons building up that's actually taking the fuel that's supposed to fire the motor, but it's got to fill up the soft carbons first, literally fill it up. Then the fuel that's squirting into the cylinders can go ahead and fire the vehicle up because there's enough of it then. It's not being sucked up by the soft carbons. So you you have to stay on top of it to keep these things. You can use fuel additives, and eventually you're still not going to get all of it out, and you will wind up needing a professional fuel system cleaning, which is it's a machine that you actually hook up to the vehicle, and you run this cleaner through it, and it's, it's about a, a two-and-a-half-hour process, 
And if we can get it clean the first time, if not, you're going to add about another hour and a half back on the back side of it to finally get this thing cleaned up where everything's running like it's supposed to. And the vacuum inside the engine is a telltale story on it. Uh, we've done them where they've had come in with 14 inches of vacuum. Uh, we've done them. And then you'll go to 18. Well, it, uh, optimum is about 20, 21, 22, somewhere in that range. And so you want to see it at about 21. And you do it again, and then voila, it goes up to 21. So you've got a clean motor at that point. But it's there's no shortcuts on this. There's no ignoring it. Uh, you just can't sit there and go, yeah, well, it'll be all right. You know, I run enough fuel through this to keep it clean. I said that one time. I actually said that, and I had a diesel. And the guys drained out some gasoline and brought it, to some diesel fuel, drained it out in a drain pan and brought it and set it on my desk. And it had, like, jello water in it. And I said, I would have bet money that I run so much diesel fuel through this thing that I shouldn't have this. They said, you can bet anything you want to. Here it is. It come out of your truck. And I thought, wow. So, yes, uh, fuel treatment is necessary for these vehicles, whether it be gas or it be diesel. You still got to run something in it to break it down, get it through the system, keep the gas tank clean, because after so long, the strain on the uh, fuel pump and the injector pump trying to process this crap is is going to cause you some major major expense and it, it's you know that's when the car takes you in on its time frame and then you're down so and it costs more than that little can of additive and people are on the impression that you can just put additive 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 yeah you can put additive in it and it'll it'll prolong the agony it'll actually help it clean uh, run better you know, if I went out and bought a uh, used vehicle again, and the first thing I did to my Honda when I took it in is I put a can of BG 44K in it and let it run through. And then about five tanks later, I put another can in it to run through. And so when I got ready to have it motor vacked, the difference between a motor vac and what I was doing, of course, I did it in short order. I did the fuel treatment first because I wanted to test it. And then I went to the motor vac to see if there's going to be any difference. And after using those two cans of 44K by BG Chemical, and you can go to BG.com and see what I'm talking about, uh, it, it, when I did the motor vac, yeah, we got some clean, uh, cleaning, a little bit of difference out, but I couldn't really tell it on the, on the accelerator. Uh, so evidently the BG worked really well. I've tried other fuel cleaners. Uh, they work. Uh, they work okay. They don't work as good as the BG though. And, uh, but they also don't cost as much as that B BG chemical did. That BG chemical is expensive. I mean, you put a, a can of BG, I think it's somewhere around $42 a bottle now, uh, in on a tank of gas. You don't spend a lot of money on a tank of gas. However, uh, when you go with the uh, results of it, it works out pretty good. But not everybody needs the same thing in every car. Every car is different. Every every driving habit is different. Uh, the distance we drive is critical on it. How long we drive it in closed loop, which means computer control of everything, 
is is going to be different. Difference between driving from here to Phoenix on a sustained uh, hour and a half run to Phoenix versus a five minute run to the grocery store. All of that is a player with this. The other thing you need to do is make sure you keep your air filter clean. Make sure you keep your air filter clean. And, you know, they say, well, it's recommended to change your air filter once a year. Yeah, if you don't go through any wind storms or any dirt storms. But if you go through dirt storms and you've got a, a turbo on the, on the motor and it's sitting there sucking like a shop vac, uh, it's going to pull a lot of stuff in. And with the turbo, it has the ability when the air filter gets plugged, it'll start bypassing. And that turbo has enough power to actually suck more stuff through it. Well, that's dirt. And as we used to call it, it's a Yuma board job. It's all dirt. It's sand. Sand is glass. And that's how it shows up inside the motor. You start wearing the rings out. You start wearing the cylinders out. Then you wind up with a low compression engine that starts burning oil. Then you're going to wind up needing a complete engine rebuilt or new engine. So there, there, there it is in a nutshell. And all I can do is try to educate you and give you a thought process so that you can check it out. And I invite you to check out anything I've told you. Um, all right, so what else do we want to cover on the dirty fuel, Jim? Got any more suggestions on that? Well, you were, you were touching on turbochargers there for a second. Um, um, uh-huh. The... the so turbochargers as as with dirty fuel means more you know, dirty exhaust and it also gets you uh it does contaminate your oil system you know it it, it as as long as as much as oil does it, it it's like the receptacle for everything bad and it holds it in your oil pan so dirty air gets into your oil Dirty fuel gets into your oil, and then just dirt gets into your oil, right? So, right with a with a turbocharger, you know that thing on a car or a truck, they're spinning, you know, fifty, sixty thousand RPM, sixty thousand RPM. That is just screaming. I, that you can't even see how fast that's going. It it runs in between seven hundred and eleven hundred degrees all the time. It's hot. It it it's very very challenging, and so what what happens is as time goes on, just with mileage, everything else being equal, if everything was perfect, the oil was perfect, the fuel is perfect, the air is perfect, the turbocharger is going to wear out because it's a mechanical device. It's a, a, a basically a, a two pinwheels on a shaft on bushings, okay, and there's only so much life in there. Everything right. being perfect, you can only get so much life out of it. Okay, so it's a consumption. What they we like brakes. It's a consumable item. You know, the, the trick is is how fast you want it to be consumed. Dirty oil wears them out. Dirty fuel wears them out. Um, dirty fuel gums them up. And I, and I didn't know this until and Jerry reminded me of this talking about this. Um, so the turbocharger in its in its high you know high distribution state you know it's sucking in a lot of air right. But it's also pushing out a lot of pressure. It pushes out a lot of pressure to your to, to make your car go. But if it doesn't spin 60,000 RPMs, well, it's not doing its job. 
they won't make the power you need to have, and the car so the car doesn't run right. So the the old school test used to be you take the you know you take the exhaust off or you take the intake off, and you'd grab hold of the turbocharger impeller right, and you try and wiggle it, and if it was bad, it was junk. Well, yeah, if it was bad, then you could pretty much throw it away. But it used to be they were a little more forgiving. Today, their tolerances are so tight, you can't you can't tell if it's bad until it starts pouring oil out or the car doesn't run. And I've seen some come out where the impeller you can't turn the impeller. Literally, you it you have you should be able to spin it free and it should spin right, but you can't. You just you're trying to force right. it to turn, and that's a worn out part. I understand that that it doesn't look bad, but it is bad. And those and the fuel and the oil and the air all are contributing factors to that wear. Now, it's okay, you know, I mean they wear out. You know, water turbochargers, Jerry, fifteen hundred, two thousand. On a semi truck they're four thousand. Plus they're four thousand mm-hmm. plus a two thousand dollar core charge. So if they can't rebuild your housing, yeah, it's $6,000 on a semi-truck. But wait, wait, wait. Let's get one better. Wow. Let's do a Caterpillar that has two turbochargers on it, two of them together. Oh, that's a, that is just a joyous day. <laughs> that's a joyous day when you get to change two turbochargers out. Um, but, yeah, even on a car, you know, you're talking 1500 bucks plus the core, which is probably, I don't know, it's probably five or $700, I would guess. Um, don't do a lot of car turbochargers myself, but, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so now you're sitting there thinking, well, how, how expensive was the oil? I, I, I'll buy oil all day long right. and, and change oil versus changing the turbocharger. It, it, and it's not fun to change. Well, if, if you, you turbochargers, they, they come with variable veins. They come with veins that move back and forth. And then they get corroded on the inside, and you'll have – that's right. They will not actuate. And that gets to be a mess, and that's just from stuff. We've actually – that's just from garbage, Uh, you know, soot and all of the buildup on them. So you pull those off, and we actually tried it one time to see if we could make one work that was – I mean, totally plugged up. So we sent it out, and we had it uh, glass-beaded. In other words, uh, just like you blow sand over it to clean all of that garbage out. Well, we got it all done, and when we put it back together, it did work. But, you know, as far as how long, we have no idea. You know, because you have garbage on it, when you hit it with a sandblaster, you actually dulled the edge of the blades on the turbo. And so, but it was doing its turbo thing. And so uh, we had it cleared with the customer, you know, in the event that it uh, doesn't continue to work, then what we will do is we will pull it back and he can buy a turbo and it'll be no extra labor or anything to put it on it. But at least we'll both know how that thing worked. But um, keeping a turbo clean, you can actually foam a turbo. You can pull the end off of the tube and you can go in and use some of the cleaners that they've got. BG's got an excellent foam that you put in there, and it will clean that stuff and let it drain off. It's like a heavy-duty cleaner, and it'll drain off, and then you'll fire it up, and it'll smoke like a son of a gun for about a minute or two, 
and then it'll clear off, and then it'll run better. Will it run as good as if you pulled it out and cleaned it or pulled it out and attempted to clean it or replace it? Hmm, that's questionable. But that is one way to actually keep these things running better if you want to spend the time to go in there and spray it down on the inside with a good foam, and that's what we use in intakes when we were cleaning uh, gas direct injected motors we foamed the inside of it so we can get down to the back of the valves we foamed the inside of the engine through the air inlet and then while it's running while it's running and we can get it done now cleaning a turbo while it's running is a little bit more hard and so we just spray it down load it up really heavy let it set and then we can use a light or a bore scope, and we go in and we actually check it, see if there's any results that's decent in it. And if not, hey, then it needs to come out. You can send them in and have them rebuilt. Uh, but you don't know if it's even rebuildable until you actually pull it off and send it in to a turbo shop and have them take a look at it and pull it apart and tell you if that's rebuildable or not. And most of the time, they'll take, uh, you can buy remanufactured turbos, which is a little bit cheaper. And they have already went in, cleaned them up, and they pa it passed the acid test, as I call it. And they said, okay, this is good to go. And we've had pretty good luck with those. Uh, we've had better luck than, you know, we were expecting, actually. And so it is possible on most of the turbos to have them cleaned up, put back together, replace the seals in the front, and go for it. But uh, you, uh, I see people who go by, uh, they go by Merrell's or, and buy regular oil for their engines, and they'll go in and they'll see it. Yeah, well, I use this in my old 1980 vehicle, and I liked it, so I'm going to get that. And the difference is, is now you have a turbo. When you have a turbo in a car, you get that owner's manual or you get a hold of somebody that knows the viscosity and the type of oil that that turbo needs in order to service the turbo. Because when you're spending that thing 50, 60,000 RPM on, on the turbo and you're only running the engine about probably 2,000, somewhere around 2,000 RPM, and that thing is cooking. And when you hit a hill and you accelerate, uh, that's what EGTs is all about, exhaust temperature, exhaust gas temperatures on the EGTs. And you will run that thing. If you get up to around 12 to 13, uh, 1,300 degrees, that turbo is trying to melt down. So that's when you see these motorhomes and these trucks and stuff pulled off the side of the road cooling down because the EGT's got on that thing, and it is just, it's going to cook the inside of that turbo. And so you have to keep clean oil. It has to be the oil that's recommended for the turbos. Now, you've got Ford Motor Company's got that little echo boost. It's got two turbos on it, one small one, one larger one. You don't. You virtually have no turbo lag on that because the small one feeds the big one, and so it it compensates until the big one takes over and it gives you all that 400 horsepower and a little motor is about as big as a five gallon bucket. More of those are out now. I mean, 
There is so many turbo cars out there right now. I have I don't even have a count on them. They're in the thousands. And you must run clean oil. Stay with your oil change intervals. If you go in and you're 10 miles or 100 miles before you're supposed to have the oil changed and you're there, have them change the oil because it has already worn down and you need fresh oil in it. The fresher the oil inside these turbo units, the better the cleaning is. Everything works like it's supposed to. But, um, yeah, you can you can ignore it. And for people running aftermarket air filters, on the 2000-2001 Ford that was running a K&N air filter, they took a K&N air filter, they put it inside the Ford case. The Ford case was known to leak around the seal. I had a friend of mine come in. I've told you the story, or some of you the story. And he was talking about his K&N air filter, raised his hood. I said, this is leaking. And he says, how do you know? And I said, well, watch this. We pulled the top off of this Ford case on this 2000, I think 2001, 7.3. Pulled the top off the box and looked around the seal on the filter that was in there, and you could see where the dirt was pulling through probably a third of the way around that top of the filter. That is raw dirt going into the turbo. And I told him, how long has this been in? Oh, it's been in about a month. Okay. You need to get it out of there. You need to get that out either by the K&N case that goes with this filter or go back to a Ford filter because you are going to destroy your engine if you haven't already. And uh, about, uh, I think, a month and a half later, two months, well, he didn't do what I said. And that thing was pulling so much raw dirt through there, it did take out his uh, turbo to the extent that it blew up and sucked the parts on through. And he was calling me, asking me how much was a uh, 7.3 engine. And then he admitted what he had not done. Ouch. And so first thing I did was put it out on the airways to tell the rest of people, hey, if you're running a K&N and a Ford box, they're notorious for not sealing up. And the way you check it, you pull the cover off of it, you look around the seal on the filter. It should have, and it should be pressed down to the point where you have no dust laying on the top of the filter. And don't give me that crap, oh, when I put it in, well, the wind was blowing, there's some dust here. No, you're supposed to wipe it off before you put it in, one. And two, that's not where your dirt is coming from. So that's a heads up if you plan on saving your diesel motors because they're very sensitive. I run the, the air filters that they go for a diesel are not as cheap as the air filters for a car. And if you want something cheap, try not to buy an air filter. They're too critical to the engine. You have to have air going into the engine. It goes through a filter. Keep the filter clean. They are almost, they cost nothing compared to replacing an engine. I mean, you know, you can buy a filter for, what, $25 or something like that now? That's about an average cost on a small car. You buy a diesel air filter, they go anywhere from for the medium or the light duty, like my 218, 
they run about uh, anywhere from 36 to $55. I don't care if it's $55. It's cheaper than an $18,000 engine because when you don't do that and you turn it in on a claim and they go inside that motor and they find out that it's got a Yuma board job on it because somebody didn't change a fuel filter or a air filter the way the manual says you're supposed to do it, they'll board your warranty. That's just the way life is. So you can ignore it. You can do anything you want to. It's a free country. You still have that option. But, buddy, you better change the filters in these things. Fuel filters, they recommend every two years. I say, yeah, if you drive 12,000 miles a year, maybe you get through 24,000. If you buy the gasoline at a station that has clean gasoline, and if you use a cleaner in in the um uh, oil additive or something to keep it running like it's supposed to. And the additives, yes, they make additives to go in oil that increase the uh, protection of the engine, shear strength and everything. So you can do that. That's the reason I run nothing but synthetic oil in everything I own, including my farm tractor. It's synthetic, full synthetic, because it, it allows me to cheat it allows me to ignore it sometimes, and it just keeps it going. So that's that. That'll keep you out of trouble. And then I think we're coming up on the. What do we got? About three minutes, producer. I think we got minute and a half. Okay, good. Um, but if you're running oil in a car, stay with the viscosity that they originally said you need. The only change that I know of is the um, Echo Boost. I'm familiar with that one. And they actually stepped it up from a 5W30 to a 5W20 to a 10W20 or 10W30. And that's in Arizona and that's for the engine because it runs so much RPM on the turbos and but you have to change the oil. So, all right, we got about a minute left, Jim. Do you want to jump in on that uh, viscosities or anything like that on the oil? Oh, with uh, just You're real the one quick, run uh, the big diesel. With what I was going to say is about the air filter. Um, if you have a turbo on your car and the air filter gets dirty, filthy, dirty, the turbo's not going to quit working. It's going to suck the air filter in and collapse it. It will, it will actually collapse the air filter mm-hmm. to, to, to where a failure occurs, to where the air filter actually is, is broken and no longer works. Correct. But we can touch on that a little bit more as we come back from the break. Back here on the All right. Star we'll Care Talk Show. We'll be right back after these minutes. 